to make our new little intro. I'm Tom. My co-host Tony Nemeti is with me now. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, give you guys a quick overview of what we expect to happen in what is the arguably most long-awaited game of the season. I can't. I honestly can't believe we're here. Uh, I can honestly remember watching Steelers Bills in the opening week like it was yesterday. But we've come a long way. We've been through a lot of ups and downs. We thought the Chiefs wouldn't even make the playoffs, and then they ended up being the AFC Championship. So it's definitely been a crazy, wacky season. But we're finally here with a Super Bowl that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. We obviously have the LA Rams. As soon as that Stafford trade happened, I was one of the first people to start predicting the Rams would make the Super Bowl. Uh, the model favored them, too, almost immediately after that trade. Tony was a huge uh, favorite of the Rams, although he did end up taking the Packers for our bracket competition. But, you know, the, the Rams make a lot of sense that they're here, and we'll get into why that is in a little bit. But then you have their opponents, the Bengals, and that they're the fun new young team that I don't think anybody saw coming. Uh, if you told me that you had the Bengals winning the AFC North division, I would call you a liar, but then congratulate you if you had some sort of proof because it was honestly something that came out of nowhere. But you know, without further ado, Tony, let's let's start breaking down the Super Bowl. Uh, do you have lineups up, Tony? I do, actually. Awesome. So could you tell me what the Rams and Bengals offensive rankings are, respectively? Um, Let me see. Overall, hold on. Sorry, I had lineups up, but I had them pulled up for different stats. I was uh, I was gonna reference. Oh yeah, I mean if you if you want, we can do DVOA first. Let's do. No, I got it pulled up. All right, offensively. So we have Cincinnati Bengals are coming in middle of the pack right now. They're at seventeenth. The Rams, on the other hand, or wait, no, that's defense. Sorry, hold on. Okay. <laughs> All right, offensively, we have the Rams coming in at number eight, which is, you know, top 10 offense. That's always a good thing. Uh, and they've actually been heating up at the right time. Of course, this is regular season. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. A Cincinnati is tied at 15 with the Steelers, but that clearly did not hold up. They have been explosive ever since they got into the postseason. Uh, so I do think that they are significantly better than that. I really think they're right up there with the Rams, honestly. Mm-hmm. Defensively, as I said, the Bengals are 17th. We have the Rams. Uh, oddly enough, the Rams are really right there with them at 15th. They really took a huge fall off. They were a top three defense last year in the league, but they've lost some players. Some of the players that they have retained look seems like they've lost a step. They're not quite what they were uh, the last you know couple seasons. Really, if they would have had the defense they had last year with this explosive offense. Oh, I'm, this wouldn't even be a conversation in my mind. I still think that I'm going to take the Rams in this one, but good Lord, if they would have last year's defense with this year's offense, they'd be a heck of a team. Yeah, absolutely. If anything, the defense has regressed and still a really good defense, which feels hard mm-hmm. to believe. Yeah. Uh, so that was obviously lineup. So we, I did do a little bit of digging on DVOA to find those uh, rankings. And I kind of want to, do the guessing game. I don't. I don't think you're on the dock right now, as Tony. So this might work out well. Overall, which team do you think DVOA has ranked higher? Overall ranked higher. Is this regular season ranking or strictly postseason? Uh, this is strictly regular season. Strictly regular season. It has to be the Rams. Yeah. So the Rams are ranked fifth overall. Um, right. This is the unweighted at twenty one point six, with the Bengals being at seventeenth at just dead average. That sounds about right. I can agree with that over the regular season. Mm-hmm. 
Now, for weighted, it's a little bit different. The Rams are actually 7th at 21.2, and then the Bengals are 14th at 1.8, which is, I think, a little bit interesting. Um, well, that's what's weird about this, is that the postseason is so different from the regular season. Like Some teams, just like the Bengals, are a perfect example. They just turn up out of nowhere. An interesting comp to that is something we kind of talked about last year, looking at how these teams, how the teams did last year versus this year. The Buccaneers made it to the Super Bowl, honestly, by having a secondary that outperformed expectations, dramatically speaking. And I think that the Bengals have done that here. I wrote about it in a column I ended up doing this past week, but the Bengals have four interceptions across two separate games off of deflections alone. I mean, that's, you know, that's some sort of luck that you typically don't get. If, mm-hmm. if you're a playoff team. So I think that the Bengals defense has stepped up dramatically. Absolutely. And that is actually a really, really good comp because last year, kind of what was the narrative around the Bucks? Oh, this is the first time that Brady is really going to, uh, you know, maybe make it to the postseason, but lose, you know, first or second round by a, probably a decent margin. And then, like you said, that secondary especially really just came out of nowhere and really just like formed up. Like they looked like if they would have been able to do that all year, they might have gone undefeated. Like they were phenomenally good. They held Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, obviously, to very, very few completions. A lot of those, of course, the controversy on, you know, were the receivers alive even during this game? They couldn't catch anything. They couldn't catch a cold. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's really what you have to do as a team. It seems like that more often than not, it's one of these wild card teams that just comes out of nowhere. The Niners would be another great example if they had made it all the way. But even with what they did do, they were a team that were good, but nobody thought they'd go super far, including myself. And they really just popped up. No, 100%. I mean, and that's what was so kind of interesting to me is that, you know, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven, that was what we thought was going to be good defensively coming going into the playoffs. And obviously they were, but yeah, that secondary stepped up in a unique way where I feel like it's a very good comp for the Bengals. Um, so I did pull up the, the playoff DVOA rankings, Tony, and I am curious what you think of those. Can you predict which is higher overall? Playoffs? I'm actually going to take the Bengals, and I do think it's close. I don't think it's a blow, but I'm taking the Bengals. It is the Rams by a country mile. Seriously? Yeah, so the total DVOA rankings have the Rams at 63.1%. Okay. Um, that is unfortunately a little bit skewed because we do have the Patriots at negative 983 so, okay, yeah, take that as you will. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, you know, that's what happens when you're working with teams who have a one-game sample size is you have really oddities like the Patriots defense being having a, def- a defensive DVOA of 84.6% um, that ranks dead last in the postseason. But yeah, so the Rams are 63.1 offensive or for total, and the Bengals are in fourth at 27.9. Now, Tony, which of the rankings do you think is better for the Bengals, offense, defense, or special teams? Oh, you're throwing special teams at me. Um, it's because it's so interesting, like uh, with McPherson. Oh, that's right, with McPherson. I mean, I don't. I'm not super familiar with DVOA of the special teams, but I would guess that special teams has to be first or second, right? I think offense is good, defense is good. I'm going to take special teams. Yeah. So the Bengals have the highest special teams in the postseason at fifteen point six percent. <laughs> that makes sense. Next, I mean, they are next closest is yeah. I mean, next the next closest is eight point five with Kansas City. Wow, well, I, I would have guessed the Packers so. would really be up there. You know, they're so elite. 
negative 31.4. That makes sense. I'm honestly surprised it's that high. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, with that one, odd one-game sample size. Um, okay, but let's continue on. So the Rams' defense in the postseason is 16.2%. Um, based off of that, can you kind of give me an estimate of what you think the Bengals are? Now, this is where it gets weird because I honestly think that the Bengals are going to be high. Can you tell me if the Bengals are higher? I think they are going to be higher. They are dramatically lower. Dramatically lower? Jeez, I'm not very yes. good at DVOA. All right, I'm going to guess 10. 4.4. <laughs> 4. See, this is why I don't love DVOA sometimes, because I don't believe that. Like, I just think that they are a much better squad than DVOA is suggesting. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I mean that is just offense, right? So I'm sure that there's yeah. an explanation for it. I'm not well-versed enough to really go into depth as to the why of all that. But we can look at defense next, which I think will be really interesting. Mm-hmm. So the Rams are 38.8%. That's second best behind the Packers, who had a, a negative 48, which obviously when you're playing defense, when you're looking at the defensive side of the DVOA statistic, you want to be negative for defense. Um, okay. So the Rams are negative 38.8. That's the second best. Where do you think the Bengals are? Uh, I'm going to guess they're like ne- low negative 20s. They're negative 7.9. That's eighth. Gosh, I'm not very good at this. I mean, I'm they're okay, behind for Philly being eighth, for being eighth. Though I am surprised that it's negative still. Like I would have thought that about halfway and start flipping into a positive side. It does actually ninth is positive. Like so, oh, it's okay. really close right. that line. So, the yeah, Patriots the are, fringes, I guess. I think neutral. Well, the Patriots, I think, skew it so dramatically because it's. You know, it goes negative 7.9, because the Bills just destroyed the Patriots. Yeah, I guess. So they ruin everything. True. They did really ruin it. <laughs> wow, the Patriots ruined this year, even without Tom Brady. And so then to, to close with uh, the special teams DVOA, so the Bengals off, um, in, the, in the playoff rank 15.6% at first. And then the Rams are fourth with 8.0%. So I think that's interesting that the Bengals are so much better in special teams. And I, I do think that uh, for this Super Bowl game, obviously the Bengals are really kind of the, I don't even want to say sleeper pick because it seems like everybody's trying to take them right now. And if everybody takes them, they're no longer the underdog. But They were the underdog going into the playoffs. Yes, they are absolutely. But going into this game now, I mean, everybody wants... Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, Joey Burr, whatever you want to call him, Nevin McPherson, Jamar Chase. Like, these guys are all so popular and explosive right now in the media. Like, everybody wants them to win, which is understandable. I would love to see Joe Burrow win a Super Bowl already. That would be phenomenal. Uh, But on paper, there's no way, right? Like, yes, they've outperformed expectations for the past couple games, but there's no way they can sustain that in this one. I just don't think so. That O-line, he's going to die. So that brings me to the next point. So if you if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen me retweeting a lot of computer cowboy stats. So his real name is Ben Baldwin, and he works for The Athletic. He's a, a really heavy stats guy, probably more heavy than I am. Um, and one of the charts that he's been tweeting out in the past couple of days is a chart that measures defensive EPA ranking and then offensive EPA rankings um, and puts them on a, a graph together. If you go follow me on Twitter, I'm at Tom's Willer. You can, you can see it because I've just retweeted it now. Uh, with the express play. purpose, you guys. Well, I want I want the audience to be able to see what I'm looking at because it's complicated. But uh-huh. I won't say uh-huh. no to a follow. Right, right, 
Um, so if you look at the chart, there are a handful of teams who have made it with a really good um, offensive ranking and a really bad defensive ranking. That's the 2011 Patriots and then the 2017 Patriots. Um, but those are the, those are the outliers there. Then the defensive outlier, ranking number one in defense, but um, below twenty five, I believe, in offense, are the Broncos. And then you kind of have a no man's land of, of in between, where it's middle of the pack offensive EPA and middle of the pack defensive EPA, where the twenty twenty one Bengals and the twenty twelve Ravens reside. Which I think is interesting because, as you know, you and the audience may or may not know, the 2012 Ravens did actually go on to win a Super Bowl. So, Tony, you know, you're saying, well, on paper, they should lose here. They can't continue it. I mean, they definitely can. Yeah, but that's the thing, though, is that I do think that the defense for Cincinnati can hold up. And I do think that they can they can at least hinder Stafford and that offense as explosive as they are. I do think that they are, you know, obviously not immortal. On the offensive side, I believe in Joe Burrow. I believe in Jamar Chase. I think that receiving core is extremely deep. It's going to be pretty much impossible to cover all of them. The only thing that's really stopping me from picking the Cincinnati Bengals is the O-line. And it's not even because it's just the O-line's bad. It's because the O-line's bad and the Rams' front is so good. And that combination is just going to be killer. Oh, so I actually do. I did pull up those stats because it's been such a talking point that I wanted to see what the pure, you know, the pure numbers say. So ESPN has a couple of different stats that I looked at to put this together. So there's pass rush win rate, which is obviously when the offense is passing, the defense is rushing the passer. Run stop, which is obviously the defense stopping the run block. And then team pass block win rate and team run block win rate. So the Rams are currently first in the NFL in pass rush win rate at 53%. The Cincinnati Bengals are 25th at 36%. So they are going to struggle to get penetration against a very good Rams offensive line. How good is that Rams offensive line? Team pass block win rate for the Rams is 68%. That also ranks number one in the NFL. So not only are the Bengals a below average pass rushing team, but the Rams are a really good pass blocking team. And on top of that, Cincinnati has a pass block win rate of 49%. That's 30, 30th in the NFL. I believe the Panthers and the Dolphins rank worse. Um, so not only are the Rams really good at getting penetration and get penetration about more than half the time, the Bengals are going to let them get it just as much. So, I mean, that's a huge problem. Yeah, and uh, I know that Tom and I, especially in the past offseason, right before the season started, what was the main thing that we really hyped up, like we really harped on that, we felt needed a lot more recognition, right? It was the trenches. It was the O-line, mm-hmm. it was the D-line. And we felt that, you know, games are won and lost in the trenches. And I think that that is going to be extremely apparent in this Super Bowl. Because like you said, these teams are not matched well together in on the O-line and D-line side. Like the Rams are just going to dominate. And I do, you know, quick shout out to uh, Andrew Whitworth, 40-year-old O-lineman for the Rams. He won the Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Last night. Yep. The most important award in the NFL above all others. So that was phenomenal. Congratulations to him. He is an, he's a freak of nature, 40 years old blocking these guys and still doing it at elite level. Unreal. Yeah, no, without question. He's been, I, that was really exciting for him. I was glad that he won it. Obviously you kind of want your guy on your team to win that award, but I was definitely okay with him getting it. Absolutely. But I mean, That's the only thing, right? Looking at everything else, yes, on paper, the Rams are better. But given how well this Bengals team has performed this postseason, I could kind of say, 
well, they've gone this far. What's one more game? But that those stats right there that you just read off, they're so damning for these like the Bengals. It's just so it's gonna be impossible to first of all generate a run game because if you can't block the guy, that's Well actually hold on. Well, so I did also get the the run win rates and run stop rates. So the Rams rank first in the NFL with a thirty five percent run stop win rate, and then the Bengals at twenty nine percent are twenty fifth, and then team run block win rate. The Bengals are actually better than the Rams on that front, so I maybe this is a weird prediction to be making just because we know Joe Burrow is so good, but maybe expect the Rams to run the ball a little bit. I could see a lot of of play action with a couple of bootlegs because we do know Joe Burrow is quite mobile when he wants to be, so I'm expecting a shorter passing game. Um, and then on the Rams side, so they have a, a win rate of 71% at 12th, and then Cincinnati's penetration is only 49%, and that's 30th, so... You know, I don't think the Rams are going to be slowed offensively by the Bengals' defense, with the exception of maybe Trey Hendrickson because he's so dominant. But I, I do think that the Bengals, like you said, Tony, are going to be impacted. So I'm actually expecting the Bengals to maybe have to run the ball more. I do think they will try to. Joe Mixon has obviously really come into his own in, a, in the past you know, couple of years. He's been really, really good. But I actually have some postseason stats pulled up for right now that I'd like to read off to you, Tom. Something yeah, really, really interesting for me is – the Bengals and the Rams. The Bengals do not win in total yards, total yards per game, passing yards, passing yards per game, rushing yards, rushing yards per game, or points and points per game. The Rams win in every single one of those categories each over three games. There's not one thing, and it's not even really that close either. Like total yards, Rams have almost 200 more. Passing yards, the Rams have almost 200 more. Rushing yards is, that one's really close. It's within 20. So that one, you know, we can take that as we will. Mm-hmm. Total points, Rams have 84. Bengals have 72. So that's a difference of four points per game. So the Rams have truly dominated over the Bengals in every single section. Major section, I guess you could say. And I just don't think, I don't see the Bengals being as amazing as they are. Take it even up another notch. And at the notch they're at now, which is obviously phenomenally above expectation, they're not winning. They're just not. Yeah, I mean, like you said, on paper, there's absolutely no reason to pick the Bengals as your favorite. We're just fascinated with the young, fun team that has a cool kicker and a cool quarterback who, you know, is your franchise future and is coming into his own as one of the best in the league. So I definitely agree that on paper, there is no way that they would win or should win. But, you know, I'm still hesitant to pick the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to pick the Rams. I feel like I should pick the Bengals. They're just the hero. But I have to take who statistically is more likely to win this game. I mean, the Rams are averaging 400 offensive yards per game. And I don't think the Bengals are going to slow that at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't either. Other than, I mean, let's be honest. If this comes down to a last second Bengals field goal... I'm betting on the Bengals every time. I don't think McPherson would miss from 65. I really think that he is—he just has the moxie to hit from anywhere in the field. But I don't think that this game past the second quarter is going to be a one-score game anymore. I really don't. Interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep it at a one-score game. I do want to cite something from the model. The model currently has the Rams as just a 60% favorite, and the uh, the Bengals obviously are then 40%. That puts the spread at just under three points, and the model has an accuracy of 62% in games between 60% and 74%. So it's 
I would say relatively confident in the fact that the the Rams are just a slight favorite. So the model really does like the Bengals a lot more than I thought they would. I would have guessed that it would have the Rams at like probably between 75 and 83% favorite just because I think on paper, which this is what the model looks at, on paper the Rams are just so much more of a solid team. Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely agree. I thought that it was going to be much more of a blowout um, in favor of the Rams. And, you know, I'm kind of sitting here like, really? That's that's where we're at right now? Is it just such a slight, you know, such a slight edge that could be easily swung by just one player? But um, looking back at our brackets that we did, Tony, do you remember how well you did? I think I told you a few days ago. Yeah, so... (laughs) I have it sitting in front of me right now. So what we did, uh, for those of you in the audience, we had one point for each correct pick in the first round, two in the second, three in the third, and then the Super Bowl was worth four points. So Tony got three points in the first round. That means he picked three uh, three correct games, two in the second round, and then after that, his teams were eliminated because he had the Packers and the Titans in the Super Bowl. And, you know, obviously those were uh, historically crazy. Two one-seeds both losing in their first playoff game. So that ends up being about five points. The model, on the other hand, uh, it had the Bengals in the AFC Championship as a slight loser to the Kansas City Chiefs. So it had the Rams Chiefs as the Super Bowl. So it's actually, the model has aged really, really well. Uh, it currently is sitting at 15 points, which is really sad because I don't think Tony and I, either one of us, got out of double digits. Now that doesn't surprise me one bit. I did pick a lot of my games on upsets. Yeah, Tampa Bay Eagles, man. <laughs> that was a, you know, hey, here's the thing, though. If that would have hit, we'd be having a very different conversation right now. Even if none no, of them were in the Super Bowl, fair enough. I would be able fair to enough. take that. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You would live uh, live forever <laughs> if you got that pick. Tom Brady ends his career with a loss to the Eagles at the first round of the playoffs. That would be kind of yeah, sad. I love it, absolutely. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be... I, I don't think it'd be amazing. but Something that is really interesting to think about, this was kind of an all-in thing for the Rams, right? Like, they traded away everything. They don't have any more picks. They have no assets. This is their team that they're going to die on this hill. If they don't win this game, I would be willing to say that the Los Angeles Rams were a massive failure. Anything short of a Super Bowl win is just a complete, complete disappointment. But the Bengals, if they don't win this Super Bowl, I think they're just getting started. Oh, yeah. I, as much as you don't want to lose a Super Bowl appearance, I think you're absolutely right in that the Bengals, this is only gravy. Like winning the AFC North, anything after that was gravy because anything after that was completely exceeding expectations and already had exceeded expectations. So, yeah, I think that that's fair. I do want to bring up cap numbers because looking at the, the Rams, you're absolutely right. They're currently $14 million over the salary cap right now, and the Bengals have $60 million in cap space. Um, looking yeah. at effective cap space, the Rams are actually then $17 million over, whereas the Bengals have 44 in effective cap space. Which is, I mean, that just goes to show the Rams are likely going to have to cut probably two or three of their big guys at least from this year. Or at the very least, restructure a lot of contracts to keep them. The Bengals, on the other hand, they're going to be able to re-sign their guys, and they're going to be able to pick up some guys. Now the question is, though... If you are the Cincinnati Bengals, let's run through what you're going to do, right? 
a stat that Tom, I know you've talked a lot about throughout this season is that most teams winning kind of formula includes a quarterback on the rookie deal. Joe Mm -hmm. Burrow is obviously blown at expectations. Jamar Chase has been phenomenal. When it comes time to sign those guys, do you think about that now? And like, do we keep the team we have and try to keep as much of a buffer as we can for those guys down the line? Or do you sign guys now, use up the cap you have now and worry about it later? So you're saying lock in Burrow? So you can, I guess what I'm saying is you can either not sign a bunch of guys and use that cap space you have now in order to use it on Burrow and Jamar down the line or use it now and have to figure out how to keep them. Uh, So what I would do is currently looking at this, I would sign, so looking at uh, the draft network is where we go for a lot of our draft information. Currently, the Bengals' primary needs are listed as offensive tackle, inside offensive lineman, tight end, and then cornerback. So go figure, basically, like anything that can block, offensively speaking. I would sign as many guys as I can uh, who are high quality to maybe three-year contracts. I know that like the preferred length for a lot of veterans is closer to maybe four or five, but I would have I would try to do three year contracts with team option deals. You know, give yourselves the flexibility to then opt out of those contracts down the line when you do need to sign Burrow to a longer salary because you do need to protect Burrow. You know, if you want to make this sustainable, because we keep talking about how lucky the Bengals are, the best way to make this growth sustainable is by protecting Burrow. So invest ca- invest capital in the offensive line and free agency and invest capital in the offensive line uh, in the draft. You're going to be able to draft offensive linemen. I think being that late, it's either an offensive lineman because they're going to be picking 31st or 32nd if you really can think about it for a second, which feels crazy. Um, You're going to have offensive linemen as your option and you're going to have defensive players as your option. Personally, focus on the offensive line. The defense needs to be patched up. The secondary is absolutely a huge gaping hole defensively. So I would say... Don't worry about signing Burrow now. Focus on protecting him now and try to extend, you know, not extend the window, but utilize the window. Yeah, that is true. But the problem is going to be Jamar Chase, three, four years from now, he could be the number one wide receiver in football. We don't know how, you know, Devontae is going to be three or four years from now. There could be injuries. There could be a million things. Jamar Chase could also be like the worst receiver in football. You, You never know. But assuming that he stays on this path of being arguably top five, top three in his first year, he's probably going to be a top three receiver. We can assume that. Joe Burrow's probably going to be a top seven quarterback at worst. Each of those guys are going to fetch significant numbers. Jamar Chase is probably going to get wide receiver, uh, like number one wide receiver money. League one money, yes. Yeah, I mean, what do you think Joe Burrow could fetch? I, there are rumors that oh, this offseason that Kyler Murray is wanting $55 million just to stay in the Cardinals. If Kyler Murray gets $55 million, I give Joe Burrow $80 million. Kyler Murray is not getting $55 million. Oh, yeah. That's all I, I need. tweeted it with a laughing emoji saying, no way, no chance this happens. He doesn't deserve that one bit. But yeah, Joe, no, Burrow, he... Joe Burrow, on the other hand, might deserve that. Not only is he a phenomenal player, he's done a whole heck of a lot just for that city. That is somebody that the Bengals are never going to want to let walk. I mean, he's like what J.J. Watt was for Houston, which is a bad example because J.J. Watt just left Houston. But Cincinnati's going to want to keep him around for a long time. Yeah, I mean, to the so I'm on over the cap right now. To the surprise of nobody, the top 11 played players in the NFL are quarterbacks. And the, the top 14, 13 of them are quarterbacks. 
So looking at Patrick Mahomes, his APY, that's average per year, is 45 million. Josh Allen's APY is 43. Dak is 40. Deshaun Watson's 39. Um, he's going to be making, I think, at the worst, 40 million a year. I think that he's going to be getting Patrick Mahomes money, practically speaking, very shortly. I think that he'll be at the lowest getting 40 million a year. So I think that's where you need to project him right now. So I, I don't know how much that answers your question, but 40 million a year for, I don't know, another seven years probably. And then um, looking at average per year for wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins leads that list at $27 million per year on average. So I would say that Chase is probably going to be looking at $25 million if he should get an extension. Obviously, because you don't know when the people are getting these extensions, that number is going to look different. So if it's, you know, the further away it is, that extension, the higher they're going to get because obviously the cap typically is moving up unless we have a crazy worldwide pin. Yeah, and especially, you know, $25 million for Jamar Chase. I think that could actually go up. I expect Devontae, if he gets a, uh, a money-focused contract, I expect him to push, break that 30 margin. So if Devontae breaks 30 this year, three or four years from now, the one number one wide receiver could be making thirty five million. The number one guy could be him. So I mean, it's really a plus or minus ten million if that with that twenty five. That's an interesting point, and I almost don't want to say Devontae is going to get a money focused deal because if you do try to, if you're the Packers and you do try to bring people back, you know, obviously that's heavily dependent on on Aaron. But if Aaron comes back. You know, that already damages your cap by a significant number. So I, I don't think he's going to be pushing that high deal. I think he's going to probably be more like $25 Because he's only making, and I, only, first world problem only, only making $14.5 this year. So I think that he would take $10 million, uh, $10 million more to make $25 million. That would put him as the second highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that I do, I do think is a very relative issue. Like, as you said, first world problem, only making 14 million a year right now. I'd love to only make 14 million. million. (laughs) Oh yeah. If I could make only 14 million and just go out of the field and play 17, 18, 19 times a year, I would love to do that. But here we are. And we're just, we just get to talk about it for no money. But I do think that it really also depends on if Rogers takes a contract, uh, if he restructures, because there was rumors of him doing Mm -hmm. that last year. Uh, he didn't end up really doing that. But now that they are so far over and they have to re-sign Devontae and there's a couple other guys, he might be able to take that contract cut this late in his career. He's already made a ton of money. He makes a ton of money on sponsorships and doing commercials and such. So I think it would be in his best interest to take that cut so Devontae could maybe make more, re-sign some of these one-year guys. Rasul Douglas already said that he would be a team player and come back on just over the minimum if they really... Uh, if they want him to come back, he was, it was kind of a you believed in me when I was in the dump. So now that I'm on top, I'll, you know, I'll believe in you and give you the benefit, which uh, I think mm-hmm. is huge for Green Bay. And then there's also guys like Devondre Campbell, who we signed to a one year deal. He went first team All Pro in the one year he was with us. We have to get him back. But there's a ton of different guys that we have to get back. And Rogers' cap hit is just enormous. And if he was really, if he really wants to go win another Super Bowl. Obviously, they need at least this team back and all of the guys that we have. So he's going to have to take some cuts if he really. Yeah. So looking at Rogers' cap number to give the audience the exact number for Rogers, he's making forty-six million dollars. That's his cap number. That's twenty-two point two percent of the Packers' cap. So yeah, him 
um, restructuring his deal is a requirement. Now the Packers can trade him. Not saying they're going to for you know the diehard Packers. I saw your mic come on, Tony. I knew what you were going to say. Um, <laughs> so the, um, it would be a twenty-six million dollar uh, dead cap hit for a, a cut pre-June first. Obviously, they wouldn't do that. But that that money also then translates over to trading him pre-June first. So then, if he were to be traded, that cap the dead hit money goes down to nineteen million. So that's just an option. Like, you know, I don't think he's going to get traded. I think he wants to stay in Green Bay. But just to put it out there, that is the way that the Packers can make a significant, um, you know, make their cap number go down without doing some sort of restructuring. Absolutely. And I do think he wants to stay in Green Bay. In his MVP acceptance speech last night, he did give a huge shout out to Matt LaFleur and his eyebrows, which I do think is a, a phenomenal little, uh, it shows that he is close to the head coach. It shows that he's co- close to the team. And when a guy likes the team, and you know, obviously he's coming off of a second straight MVP, his, la- his fourth MVP in the last 10 years, it's really phenomenal. The team's going to want him back, of course. They've all said they committed to it. Rodgers has said that they have done a lot of talking in the offseason, and he's in a very different spot with this team than he was last year, which is exactly what you know Packers fans need to hear if they really want him to come back. But I do think that if he's willing to take the cut of the money, this team can come back with most of its pieces. Obviously, $40 million over the cap space this year. It's going to be nearly impossible to get everybody, but most guys can come back. I do love that if you Google search Matt LaFleur, it auto-fills to eyebrows. Um, that's one of the options. So <laughs> um, I find that funny. But to get back to the whole reason we brought up the Packers, which is because we brought up the Bengals, it was because we brought up the Rams. But yes, to, in a very roundabout way, yes, the, the Rams had to go all in this year. We, we, yes. really, we really we took really the long way on <laughs> Yeah, we arrive back at this at this conclusion that the Rams need to win, or this season's a bit of a bust, honestly, because they're not going to be this team down the line. They're just not. They've lost all capital. Yeah, so I mean, I don't want to say that it's a spectacular failure. I think getting to the Super Bowl is is a success no matter what team you are. Um, But I do think that yeah, losing would obviously be a massive disappointment, and you know, underachieving the season. But I don't want to say a massive bust. You got there. I think a massive bust is you know, it's the Packers more than the Rams. I mean, yeah, but the Packers have way more potential to be a team that gets close once again next year, way more than the Rams do. Just because the Rams, this is their season. If they don't do anything now, they can't draft anybody. They can't resign. I mean, people like they are all they're pretty much living on one year deals essentially this year they're not going to be able to bring those guys back and yes getting to the super bowl is obviously great but nobody remembers second place well so the rams have eight draft picks i don't know how many the packers have um but you know the packers are in more of a cap hell apologies for the language but they're more in cap he double hockey sticks than the rams are by the tune of about 40 million dollars and while the rams don't have first and second round picks because they would basically I think they might just give away first round picks at this point for fun. Um, but they, you know, have a pick in round three, a pick in round four, a pick in round five, and then three picks in round six and two in round seven. And yes, I know those are not winners. They don't have a pick um, that in the top 100. But still, you know, they do have some picks. They can play around with a little, they do have some assets. Granted, not great, but, you know, I guess they have assets. They can draft. Um, and they're they're not as in a poor cap position as the Packers. 
Yeah, they are absolutely in a better cap situation. But, I mean, just off of draft picks, if you look at the bust rate of those guys in those rounds, it's, oh, it's ridiculous increasing by round by a you know an exponential percentage, I would guess. So to be able to only pick guys in those late rounds and only have one pick in really each of those rounds, it's not going to probably produce much. Now, maybe, sure, you strike a Tom Brady that can fit your system and mm-hmm. you know win a bunch, but... What are the odds? No, yeah. I mean, the odds aren't good. And I, I am agreeing with you that the Rams, it is a failure. I just don't want to say that they're completely out of it. One thing that I do think we might see is kind of, we saw Rodgers in his first season with LaFleur not look as great as he has in these two seasons, right? It took time to adjust to the system. Granted, the team around him obviously got better. And with Stafford, the team is going to get worse. But at some point, you do have to expect Stafford to kind of increase the quality of the Rams overall play as he adjusts the system a little bit more. So I do think that he might compensate for some of the losses that they may see. That is absolutely true. That's a huge point that uh, we kind of talked about earlier, about halfway through the season, I think it was, when everybody's talking about, you know, Stafford's thrown more interceptions than any other quarterback at the time. I think that was true. Now he's finished the season tied with Trevor, I think, 17, right? Which is sad. Yeah, 17. Which, Yeah, which is which is a lot of turnovers don't get me wrong but we also do have to remember this is the first time the guy's been in a winning system and been able to rely on others like he's so used to having okay. to play hero ball okay. I got, hold on hold on i gotta stick up i gotta stick up for the lions my team no you don't they, no, you don't they you did don't make gotta, they no, did make no, the playoffs they're not winning but they made the playoffs okay they made the playoffs what twice with stafford it's winning I mean, yes, but okay. If you have, one is it a sad hill? Is it is it a sad hill to die on? Yes. And you go two and fourteen. That doesn't really count. Okay, it's a sad hill to die on. But like, if you go on Football Reference, he does have playoff logged games. Did okay, he get a yes, win there? Did did he get a win with the Rams? I mean, maybe not. But I do think that making the playoffs constitutes his winning. Look, I let think me let me have the, it. The Lions five years from now with Dan Campbell. I believe are a winning team. I don't think they're going to be the laughing stock of the NFC North anymore. I do think that they improve significantly, but with Matthew Stafford at the helm every year, except for really the years that he had Calvin Johnson, he was the best player on the field for them a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Again, they're not hugely winning. They, he just, I'm looking at his game log. He does have playoff games. That counts well, as regardless, winning. Regardless, He has a lot more assets <laughs> on the Rams than he did on the lions. And he's also, you know, learning a completely different system. He's got a head coach that's competent. He's got an organization that actually knows how to manage a football team successfully. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many different variables that he's adjusting to now that he didn't really have to deal with then. Like, I know uh, we were talking a, early, a couple weeks ago about how, oh, the Niners are taking over the Rams stadium. Like, this is this is crazy to see. The players that was sad. Must be, the players must be so, you know, taken aback by this. Honestly, I don't think Stafford is affected. He's just happy to have fans in the stadium. He wasn't used to that in Detroit. <laughs> it was always just an empty field. COVID wasn't really much of a change for Detroit. Okay, that might be a bit of a, a hyperbole. I, I have been to a Lions game. Um, wow, so how was field... it? I bet you're one of like 17. No, the, the stadium was packed. <laughs> I was just a Panthers fan. Oh, right. Well, then how can you know who's a Lions and who's a Panthers fan? All their colors are the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely a sea of blue, just maybe not in the way the Lions would like it to be. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, all right, 
So yeah, but but let's wrap up uh, with with our picks. I didn't want the show to go too long because we went on a little bit of a Packers tangent. <laughs> it somehow was a little long. bit longer. We never stay on time. Nope, never will. Never have. Never will. Um, but <laughs> let's let's finish with a pick. So the Rams are currently a four point favorite. I believe that's up from two point five or three when the game was first announced, uh, and then the total is forty eight point five. The money line, the Rams are minus 190, and the Bengals are plus 160. I kind of understand why everybody's betting on the Bengals. Yeah, it's not a bad bet, honestly. Yeah, plus 160, it's a value bet. Um, All right, so Tony, give us your prediction for what happens. All right, well, like Matthew Stafford, I will end on a pick. I'm going to pick the Rams. (laughs) Okay. What's your pick, Tom? Are you taking the Rams? Tom, I think we lost you there. Uh, okay, that tracks. I, I almost made it one show without my internet dying. Uh, you know, college <laughs> internet, right? Uh, okay, so let me just start over. The Bengals are going to cover, but okay. the game will hit the under with the Rams winning. Okay. That's yeah, I just think prediction. that I, th- I think the Rams defense is going to be able to stifle the Bengals and that the Bengals defense is going to be able to slow the Rams enough that it stays low scoring. It stays close. America gets really annoyed, and Trey Wingo loses his mind that people were annoyed. Absolutely. Um, okay, and then I guess I guess we'll I'll give you the models pick. I already I already mentioned it earlier, but currently it's it's minus two point nine six for the Bengal for the Rams. So Rams are a slight favorite, but Bengals should cover. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next week for when we get to start doing our off-season stuff. We have a special guest. We think that the Devin episode with Prediction Strike did so well that we want to do another special guest. He's a little bit different, but he still has an analytical mind. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably know who I'm talking about because I retweet his stuff because it's both hilarious and just creative. And I, you know, I'm super excited to have him on the show. Do you want? Do you have a Absolutely. hint, Tony? Oh, do I have a hint? Um, yeah. He's he went to Harvard. He's got he went to Harvard. That is, <laughs> yep, he went to Harvard. What a hint! I love it. Do all of our do all have all of our guests gone to Harvard? I guess I guess Campbell hasn't. Not Campbell, I tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess Campbell doesn't quite qualify. Okay, all of our on, all of our Step guests up. who are all of our guests who aren't our friends have gone to Harvard. Yeah, that's, that's it. Well, Devin's our friend. He's a friend of the show. Come on, what are you saying? That's true. Friend of the show. Very true. Friend of the show. Okay, well, all of all of the people on here, I swear, go to Harvard. So, Tony, I think we also need to step up a little bit. Yeah, that's true. We definitely, yeah, I'm not going to Harvard. I can tell you that. Nope, me neither. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> I get. But when we come back next week, we will have an, an exciting interview with a Harvard grad. I'm going to leave it off on that note. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you, everyone. Don't forget, it's Valentine's Day on Monday.